Well, George, this is the uh, 24th, I think, of uh, May, 13, and you've been involved, of course, with the medical school at Oxford in many levels. So let's start at the beginning. Um, presumably, you came up from school to take an entrance exam. Uh, yes and no. Um, I um, came from a school in the north, uh, Royal Grammar School in Newcastle, which had a closed scholarship to Balliol. Um, by chance, the headmaster only told me about it, so I was the one candidate. Um, I sat in a little room behind the organ at school doing the exam, um, the most concise one I've ever done because I dislocated my thumb playing rugby three days before and then came up to Oxford for an interview which I remember was about an hour, an hour and a half uh, and um, uh, got told to wait and got a message 20 minutes later saying I had a scholarship. That's great. And was the interview with one man or a panel? It was, it was with a panel. The lead interviewer was a delightful man called Sandy Ogston, yes. uh, who was a biochemist and um, just a lovely guy. And uh, I can remember having the temerity at the time to say, yeah, I want to do medicine, but I wanted to do a defil in biochemistry as well, please. Well, that would have suited him. So that was great. And then in those days, was it still the two years to first BM and the one year to schools? Uh, yes. I mean, I had to take prelims right. in biology, which I failed the first time, uh, and, um, which I took from school. And then I did a, I, I left school, worked as a laboratory technician, and during that did a correspondence course in biology. Um, and took prelims just before the first term. So had you been doing science in school or were you a... Uh, yes, I mean chemistry yeah. was the thing I was best at. Yes. Um, in the sixth form I regularly came 25th out of 26 in the preceding four years but we had a very good um, chemistry master and that uh, sort of clicked. Great. And then what did you think of the first two years in Oxford? I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yes. I mean, I could say that about all nine years I had. Um, but it was an eye-opener in all sorts of ways. Um, I can remember we had to do organic chemistry in the first term. And I can remember when we had our first session with a guy, I think he was called Parks. Yes, he was. He was. Um, <laughs> he was an old fool. Saying to him, did he mind if I didn't come in the afternoons because I wanted to play sport? And that got me off on a very good foot with him. Um, uh, embryology, I remember not doing uh, because it was nine o'clock in the morning, so I just missed it. Um, I didn't go to many lectures. I put whatever effort I put in, I put into uh, well anatomy, which was quite fun. Um, and uh, I had actually one term where I dislocated my neck playing rugby, so I missed the first half of the term, and then did eight head and neck um, vivas. Very in, appropriate. <laughs> in a fortnight with Alice Carlton. Yes. Um, and I quite enjoyed that. Uh, but thoroughly enjoyed the, particularly the essay writing and were you doing that for a variety of tutors or always with Sandy It was pretty well all Sandy, yes. in fact, and that was uh, largely physiology and biochemistry. We didn't bother with anatomy tutorials. I mean, we had the viva system and that was it. 
And with Sandy, would he get you to read your essay or had you submitted it before? Um, I would uh, submit it um, generally on the day and then we would talk around it and then he would, um, uh, he, he would mark it and return it with comments. Um, I think, I mean, I wrote very long essays generally because I didn't have time to write short ones. Um, and they were almost all done during the night before the tutorial. And uh, was that one to one? Just you that and was him? one to yes. one. Yes, remarkable. Then you got your first BM and went on to schools. Yes. And you did Sandy for Biochemistry again. Uh, yes, uh, and I think I did physiology with Sandy as well. Right. I don't recall. Neurology? I mean, neurophysiology. Yeah. yeah. No, great. No. Well, he was a remarkable man. Yes, I think I did it all with him. Uh, and um, I remember that third year was a fun year in all sorts of ways because I got, about halfway through the year, found um, I'd got a scholarship to go for the summer to the United States. Bermuda mm -hmm. had yeah. a system um, funded by a man called Coolidge, of the Coolidge family. Mm -hmm. um, and he'd been an old Balliol man, and he'd been over after the war, decided that undergraduates were having a miserable time, so he uh, thought they needed a little luxury, as he put it. And he paid for eight to come over every year, uh, you were provided with a car and a thousand dollars, which in 1959 was quite a lot of money. And if you ran out, you rang up for more. <laughs> the only thing you had to do was keep a diary. Right. And um, there were a whole host of um, old burial people in the States who volunteered to look after the visiting undergraduates, or you could go off and do other things. Um, and he came over about four weeks before schools. And that was one endless party with a little bit of examining through it. And was that fundamentally to see biochemists, etc., or was it just really a fun year, a fun visit? Uh, I mean, I took the opportunity to go and see uh, yeah. Pollard at the Rockefeller. Right. Uh, mainly because there was a girl near New York I wanted to go to see <laughs> I met. Um, but the rest of it was um, was made me fun. I went and looked at the St. Lawrence Seaway, which <laughs> was fairly recently open. Went on a dude ranch in um, Montana, but then I got glandular fever. Ended up. <laughs> we knew why. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can't remember. <laughs> and I ended up with a colleague who also got it. Um, uh, in a hospital in Winslow, Arizona, from where um, uh, Mr. Coolidge's physician, they were treating us for tonsillitis, uh, Mr. Coolidge's physician from Boston rang up, made the diagnosis, and then we were flown back to Boston. I spent six weeks living in um, Coolidge's estate, uh, <laughs> and I was allowed one glass of wine a night, I remember, and he had a marvelous collection of wines. Uh, which I learned a great deal about, and I just basically Good slept. Time. Yeah, terrific. Now, in the school's year, were you already biochemically fixated, as it oh, were? Yes, yes. Oh, yes, I had yes. been from the beginning, yes. and I'd arranged during my school's year, I'd, uh, well, Sandy had fixed up for me to, um, 
could do a defill with Walter Bartley in Krebs's lab, yes. um, and um, which required some sort of resourcing. My father was very unkeen on this, but my brother was a doctor by then, persuaded him that this was worthwhile, and I got an MRC, one of the a lot of MRC training fellowships or whatever they called them then, studentships. Yes. Great. And um, do you remember taking schools? Did you think, I mean, you probably didn't think because one didn't in those days, but did you think it was a good exam for the work you'd done or did you think it was out of kilter? Oh, I thought it was entirely reasonable. I yes. mean, it's, um, I'm not sure I thought on any exam was no, a particularly sure. good idea. No. Um, and I remember I uh, doing extremely well on the new neurophysiology <laughs> and rather badly on the biochemistry that's my main mode it was only four papers uh-huh. and um, then that was it so then you went to the biochemistry department under Bartley but yes. Krebs right yes. on top in, in it was actually Krebs's lab and um, uh, Krebs's two PhD students were at the next benches and were you well supervised heavily supervised uh, I was Yes, uh, extremely well supervised. Uh, I mean, Walter was in there at the bench every day. He was not a traveller. And um, I mean, I used to get in, kill six rats, um, and make mitochondria. And uh, it was, uh, he was always around. And there were two or three others, like um, uh, Derek Williamson, who was in the lab, and uh, one of my fellow. Students was Jane Mellonby, who stuck around for a while and was a lively young lady. Um, Hans Kornberg was there at the time, uh, Lenny Eccleston, and it was just a very nice um, group of people. Did you feel you were working on your ideas or Bartley's ideas or Krebs's ideas? Um, I kicked off working on Bartley's ideas. I mean, like every job I've ever done, after about three months, he said, you better start working or get out. (laughs) Um, So I started working. Um, And I did things like uh, with Chapel John Ashworth, who went on to be head of the LSE. Um, And um, uh, we built an amino acid analyzer, all of our own. This was just before they were starting to be marketed. Moore and Stein, yeah. um, which handled one sample in a week, uh, and uh, one of them, we took turns spending the night with the fraction collector because it went wrong. Yes. But, so I, a lot of um, things I had. Now I did slip a disc at rugby during that, so I took six months out um, to do pathology right. uh, and pharmacology. Uh, which I comprehensively failed the former one, so I had to do that again. I, I, I must say I learned pathology like I never learned anything before or since as a result of that. Um, and um, spent in the end three calendar years, not calendar years, three academic years doing my DPhil, including the six months right. Pathology, Uh, but then I I got two papers in the biochemical journal, three in the end, uh, but didn't write it up for a little while. So the um, how many amino acids? Twenty, twenty-five, or just a few? Oh, that lot. Oh, great! I mean, what I was looking at was the um, uh, proteolysis in mitochondria. You know, do they break down 
right. uh, proteins. And someone, I've forgotten again, but someone about 10 years later pointed out how significant this was. <laughs> it was completely. Actually, your remark about working hard or not preempted another question I was going to ask you. Looking back, when do you think you started working hard? <laughs> um, it was intermittent. Um, I mean, I worked quite hard now and again during the first three years. Um, not Nothing like as hard as many of my colleagues were working, because I did a lot of other things, like sport and boozing. And, um, we won't mention the lot the <laughs> Various clubs. Um, I joined in things. I started work properly, I think. It would have been about uh, three, six months after starting my DPhil. Yes. I and mean, I started the DPhil a couple of months late because of the glandular fever. And uh, it took a while to get into the work habit. When you were in digs then with Graham Richards and Ward, yes. Wardlow? Um, uh, Bill Wardell. Wardell, that's yes, it. Yes, that's right. And Julian Jack oh, right. um, preceded. Uh, water. So where were these fabulous uh, this, was, this was in Norham Gardens, yes. about 10 houses down from right. uh, um, the Regis's house. And were they all akin to you, sort of doing defills, whatever, yeah. researching yeah. and in and yeah. out irregularly? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, Graham has been fantastically successful. Um, and actually, uh, you wouldn't think so. It's a very interesting career. Yeah, Julian uh, in an entrepreneurial sense. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and uh, Julian Jack again did very well. Yes, indeed. And then, uh, as you say, you got the papers, you got your uh, degree, but you say you had to write it up during your clinical years? Or? Uh, yes. Not the uh, first man who's done that. No, what happened was um, uh, I, I went for to the Radcliffe to do my... I had a place at the Middlesex but decided for a variety of reasons that I rather liked Oxford uh, and that I needed to stick around to write my thesis. So I um, stayed at the at the Radcliffe and um, I think I worked reasonably hard there. Um, I was doing... I did some more biochemistry on the biochemistry of bullseyes with um, Ruth Van Hainigan yeah, yes, yes. Uh, and Stephen, I've forgotten anyway. Um, uh, and that was on the strength that he'd been my examiner for my DPhil and um, liked it and said, come and do some yes. work. Um, and so I did that. Um, towards the end of my research DPhil period, uh, Sandy Ogston broke his leg in Australia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I got a telegram, as one had in those days, from saying, please take over teaching. So I did a lot of tutorial teaching, and then I um, somehow ended up as an oral tutor. Um, so all the way through my clinical years, and while I was a houseman, actually, um, mm. I did physiology and biochemistry tutorials, and that was enormous fun. Um, and uh, then... Um, during, I, I remember the first surgical firm, my first medical firm was George Pickering, and I was with a mature lady who was a psychoanalyst, uh, and then two African gentlemen, one of whom was at a light from Ghana.
and uh, so Wardrounds with Pickering and um, Ross Russell and Tony Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Well, that was your lot. Well, what what year is this, George? Uh, this was uh, 1962. Right, I'd just gone to America. Yes. Um, and when do you think you got interested in diabetes? Uh, that was uh, during my, um, I suppose, very early on. The first thing I gave a tutorial on was uh, doing endocrinology and insulin. Mm -hmm. And I got entranced by the story which Bertie Fisher was uh, having arguments with people about. Did insulin work, ins get into the cell and work, or was it purely an effect on the cell membrane? Right. Um, and it just seemed interesting. Yeah. Um, my second medical firm was um, uh, Alec Cook. Right. And uh, during that I did a research project on dextrous sticks, mm -hmm. which were published in The Lancet. I was very happy. It was my first ever public presentation at a BDA meeting in Leeds. Mm -hmm. um, that was towards the end of my student time. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was there. And I then made a deliberate policy choice that I did not wish to have one of the two professorial medical jobs. Um, mainly because um, Frank Woods wanted one of them desperately <laughs> right. and Chris Spry wanted the other one mm. uh, and there seemed no point fighting over all this and so I applied for and, and got the Alec Cook job but during um, very early on my first surgical firm was Sam Corey I remember one thing, he, he insisted that his senior registrar did an audit of his hernias. And um, when he saw the results, he told him to stop. <laughs> uh, but that the houseman uh, on that firm, one of the two housemen, disappeared about a week after we'd started as students. And I then did the student locum for the rest of the firm. Um, and learned a lot very quickly. Yes, yes. Um, but when it came to the second surgical firm, I just had a letter from the university saying, you know, if you don't submit your DPhil, blah, blah, blah. So I trotted along to um, uh, the medical school, to Tim, Tim Till, actually, yes. and who's I suppose to be doing the second firm, and said, you know, could I have the firm off and come and do it as an elective? <laughs> um, and um, so I wrote it rather quickly then. Um, six weeks flat uh, and got that out of the way um, and then when I went to arrange my elective saying you know do I have to do surgery I discovered Till had given me a B for the firm without once having been there <laughs> and I then did his house yes. job later on we'll come back to that but yeah. do you remember Donald Tapley Donald Tapley no. From Columbia Presbyterian? No. Because actually you were a known character in the RPM because when Don Tapley had been giving you a tutorial, yes. you know, the group of you, yes. you'd know more about diabetes <laughs> than he did. And he, he was an endocrinologist, but oh, to be right. fair to him, a I thyroidologist. <laughs> a yeah. thyroidologist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you took finals. So what yes. did you think of finals? I thought it was an appalling experience. Yes. And uh, my last bit of finals was an oral in obstetrics and all about twin pregnancies and I thought they were horrible 
of the people examined. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't Chasseloir, but it, it, it might have been. I mean, they really beastly. And I came out of that, and I went to, where to wait then six hours for the result, I went along to um, this, the Scala and saw a Buster Keaton film and didn't laugh once. And I came out of that and determined something which I've stuck to ever since that I was never going to take another exam <laughs> in my life. <laughs> so I haven't. But, I mean, bright people do have the art of failing exams when they yes. haven't worked for them. How did you fail pathology, do you think? Oh, I just haven't worked for it. And was it the Viva, or you just knew nothing? No, 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 okay. I, mean, I went into the Viva, and I'd asked for an early Viva, because I was going off with this American guy who thought I needed another treat, yes. and I went off as his driver to the south of France, and we followed the Albigensian trail. Um, and so I had an early Viva, and <laughs> at the beginning of the Viva, they said, um, uh, no, it must be, I, I said, a few questions. They said, um, "Are you busy in September?" <laughs> and I said, "I suspect I will be." <laughs> so, what did you think of Pickering? Pickering, uh, he was um, a good teacher. I mean, I liked his slightly abrasive style, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he had a sense of humour, um, and he just had presence. I mean, I, I was a young yes, student yeah. at the time, but um, uh, we didn't we saw on, on ward rounds. We had no, mm-hmm. you know, no other, t- and, and that was, um, you know, the classical um, teaching by humiliation. Yes, right. But, uh, we, which he was very good at. Not half as good at that, though, as Mitchell, who was brutal. Right. Um, and um, Ross Russell was fun. Yes. And Des Oliver was around as yes, well, and yes. he was uh, just a lovely guy. Yes. Did Murphy, or was he later? No. No, fine. And um, then Tim Till's job, yes. HS, you did that with Frank Woods. Uh, yes. Now, how did you two enjoy that? Because it's a legend, too. That's another legend, that the patients, surgical patients, have never been so well looked after. Is that we, right? We, we had a lovely time, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and I did... I did Marlborough men, and um, uh, Frank did women down at the far end. Forgot the name. Oh, don't, don't obscure your mouth. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Okay, yeah. um, and uh, at half time, in three months, we're supposed to switch over, but we're, uh, Sister Marlborough refused to have Frank on the watch. Why was that? I don't know. He, was, um, he wasn't an easy person. No, I know. <laughs> And uh, it was, um, so I just stayed and did the men. Yeah. And had a lovely time doing salt and water balance. And Tim enjoyed it. Yes. I think James Hadfield was the senior registrar. Yes. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, Preston was the registrar. But, I mean, James was incredible because he was very focused, yes. very determined. Yes. And, you know, we'd get there, wouldn't we? Yes, 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 he did. And... I mean, it was determined fairly early on that it would be best if I didn't operate on people. Right. Um, I mean, the, I kept getting infected uh, uh, wound sites afterwards, and um, uh, Tim wanted to do a nose job on me. 
yeah, so rather rather not. Rather not. Um, and there was the occasion when Frank and I did a pair of twins circumcising them one each end of the uh, trolley, and Frank, being very cautious, just uh, took a minute amount off, so far too little. I was a bit more cavalier, took <laughs> too much off. And the mother afterwards was um, a little. Um, uh, irritated by this and I remember made the comment which I wouldn't dare do these days which is never mind madam you'll be able to tell them apart <laughs> <laughs> um, and we just had a lot of fun Frank kept knocking off I mean he he, he got the name Knocker Woods yes he did um, and this was because it was uh, well two things one whenever we got to a weekend on tape there was a likelihood he would be ill um, and this was all the time he was getting mixed up with Hillary, his subsequent wife. Yeah. And so um, he would return on Monday to comments about having been on the knock for the weekend. <laughs> right. Um, and I think it worked very well. And, and because he knocked them off. Yes. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> so when were you setting up your visits to America? Um, yeah. That was, um, I suppose I started just the beginning of the house here. I mean, it, yes. it very rapidly um, struck me that uh, being an SHO was not a good quality of life and not a nice thing to do. Um, and the thought of trogging off to the Hammersmith like all the bright young men did uh, was very unappealing actually. And I thought it'd be much more fun to go to the States. I had actually been offered, this was all about the Christmas of my house here, uh, and I'd just been offered a post as lecturer, standard lecturer in biochemistry in Sheffield right. with Walter Bartley, right. and I'd sort of said yes, and uh, in the, before that I'd written to Harvard and written to Yale, I'd met the professor met at Harvard when I was, because he lived on the property of this Coolidge guy. Right. And I met him while I was in Boston, George Thorne. And uh, Frank Epstein from Yale had been working in Krebs lab. So I wrote to them both and said, can I come and be a fellow? Mm -hmm. um, and Epstein said, not for two years. And Thorne said, um, yes. Was that a pure research fellowship or was yeah. it a clinical? No, nope. pure yeah. research fellowship. And who was paying for that? Uh, well, I then had to apply for a bit of money for it. Yeah. And I applied for an MRC uh, travelling fellowship. And I was one day over a lower age limit um, and uh, went and had an interview and everything and didn't get it. And I met Bill Payton, yes. who was on the panel in the street. And he said, well, we all thought you ought to go and do your membership first um, and then come back to us. Mm -hmm. uh, by which stage I'd actually arranged with Boston to pay for me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they paid my fellowship uh, out of NIH money. Who did you work with in Boston? Uh, and I, I worked with um, a not very good guy called Dave P. Lawler at the Peter Bent Brigham. I wanted to get the Jocelyn, but they were full. Right. Uh, so I went to the Peter Bent Brigham to endocrinology, uh, spent a year um, unsuccessfully, well, disproving 
uh, Kong's hypothesis that all hypertension was due to aldosteronism, um, which meant getting in at seven every morning and injecting people with radioactive aldosterone. But immediately from the beginning, I'd been over to see George Cahill at the Jocelyn and said, you know, can I come, to, come and learn things with you? And worked with a lovely guy called Stu Seldner. Uh, learned the insulin assay, which uh, he had just set up, Selner and Sloan, um, and did some studies there. Um, and I also did some studies with, I'm not quite sure why, um, oh, it was, um, I had uh, some hypotheses regarding arginine displacing potassium from cells, and we did mm -hmm. a series of dog studies showing if you infused arginine into ditch toxic dogs, you reverse the ditch toxicity. Um, so I did a bit of that on the side. Um, and, but after a year, I met a guy called Jeff Sharp, who was mm -hmm. assistant professor at um, the Mass General, and a Yorkshireman. Um, and he said, come and work with us. So uh, I went for my second and third years to the Mass General, did my one month in six clinical uh, fellow uh, clinical side at the Peter Bent. Uh, they both paid me a nice salary and um, I had a lovely, lovely time at uh, the Mass General, but yeah. that was all working on steroid receptor, elder steroid receptor. And was that, I mean, I know it was sharp, but was it under Alex Leaf? Yes. I'm in his yes. department, yeah. I mean, Alex, you, you'd be there on a Saturday afternoon, and this again was more catching drips from bloody columns, <laughs> and what you had to do in the cold yes. room, and Alex would come in on a Saturday afternoon and take his turn in the cold room. He was just a lovely, lovely person. So would you be doing a sort of Tate and Simpson? Analysis of aldosterone. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what yeah. Had you met Ian Bush in Oxford? Uh, no, but I met him. Uh, we went out <coughs> periodically to uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. and uh, met the group there. So, what did you think of him then? Um, I didn't, didn't no, talk no, to him. No, to, to no, know. Sure. Really. So, how did you find your clinical weeks, months? In the uh, Mass they were, they, they were, I mean, I, I did a clinic every week in general medicine, mm -hmm. which was um, just me on my own, and it was a computer clinic, so um, the um, book me of IT for life, I think, because they all filled in a history oh, by computer, yeah. you then had to undo it <laughs> yes. and start again, and that was quite fun. Uh, the um, uh, clinical period was, you know, you were the professor's sidekick, um, and uh, you would see all his patients, and these were all mostly adrenal patients, actually, mm. George Thorne, yeah. and who was famous by that stage for uh, taking out one adrenal for a little bit of Cushing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also did some diabetes rounds with Jürgen Steinke, who was, oh, yes. Yes, I do. Um, who again was a, who had type 1 diabetes, and who was a very, very nice man. Yeah. Um, and I spent a lot of time actually in, uh, I used to go into the Jocelyn at um, you know, 6.30 in the morning to set up assays and then go and do my day job and then go back in the evening on my way home. Right. So you had four years in the States? Three, three. three. And when did you get the idea of coming back to England? Uh, I always knew I was coming yeah. back. Uh, I went for one year in fact, but it was fun, so we stayed for three. Um, and during my third year I thought I'd better find a job. 
to come back to. So I, I did a, a round of various, I remember going to see Philip Randall um, for advice and um, I probably spoke to you too. Um, and uh, Tony Mitchell offered me an SHO post in Nottingham <laughs> so I could get my member. Everyone said, yeah, you've got yes. to do your membership. But then out of that, I was on the point of accepting that was Christmas 68, uh, when Hans Krebs, who was on the board of the Mass General, right. um, a message came down, would I go to see him? And so I went up to this enormous office must be an Alps' office actually, with Hans there, and I was totally unnerved because he smiled and you know was friendly. Unusual. <laughs> and said, "Would you like to come back to Oxford? Yes. Uh, would you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Would you please? Um, Paul Beeson's got some money for two people, and um, if you could perhaps write a four-page synopsis of what you want to do by next week." Of course, I mean, that was Beeson's great idea, to my mind, in Oxford. Yeah. And that everybody didn't have to do all the membership. And how justifiable do you think that idea was, is? It worked out well for me. Yes. Do you think, at large, it's a good idea? Uh, not doing the membership, or...? No, not... Because often, I think, the Beeson people might do the membership in the end. Yes. The whole idea was that if you're going to do clinical research... You didn't have to know about the whole of medicine at membership yeah. level, yeah. but you just had to know your own yeah. specialty. I think that's fine. Yeah, I so think do I. Absolutely fine. I can get people early. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you wait till someone's, um, you know, done their membership and then done, you know, uh, the classical thing, you know, end of registrar period or first two years of SPR, then you start. Quite difficult getting into it, and um, uh, I mean, I like the way I did it. And it, it was risky, but it worked. Now, has that model spread in England? No. No, I know. It's remarkable, isn't it? Yes. No, it hasn't. I mean, some a little bit in the sense that the Walport posts now, the yeah. academic FY2s or whatever they call them, uh, there's some money for them. Um, and uh, we're picking up some good young people. Um, the, I mean, people doing DPhils in the middle of the medical course, the MD-PhD sort of program, is still a very rare phenomenon. Um, and people then get sucked into what is now a much, much more rigid training program. I mean, you couldn't have ended up uh, as an acute take physician doing what I did these days. You know, I wouldn't have been allowed on the wards. And did Beeson, what did he think of the scheme in the end? I mean, did he leave England happy or did he... I think he was happy, uh, I mean, it was the two of us, yes. it was Ian and my... What my happened to Ian, by the He name? became professor yes. in Birmingham of immunology. Right. Um, and, I mean, we had a ball for three, four years yeah. because uh, so many things opened up and ideas and, you know, people like working with yourself. Um, and... Um, it was just an enormous amount of fun. Now, clinically, I know it's difficult perhaps to judge, but, you know, different phases. How would you think of the Radcliffe and the American hospitals clinically? Um, I thought we were much better. (laughs) And also, what about Oxford v Southampton v Newcastle? Again, different phases. Uh, Yeah. um, I mean, Oxford... 
I would probably rate Oxford actually, uh, because it was a. I mean, it was it was a, the majority were thinking, academically oriented, but thinking mm-hmm. clinicians, mm-hmm. Um, and the overall impression was, uh, you know, people cared for patients, um, but handled them, you know, in a very interesting and intelligent way, yeah. generally. Yeah. I mean, there are people I didn't think much of. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure. And do you think that your time as an undergraduate was a good preparation for your career? Yeah. Now, there are two questions. There's yeah. your career and there's a career in medicine. Yeah. In medicine. yeah. Um, the, for my career, it was, well, it deter- in many ways determined my career. Uh, although that was, I mean, I went into it at the beginning uh, knowing somewhere in here that I wanted to do a DPhil in biochemistry, I wanted to do mm-hmm. research in biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Now, I anticipated a career in biochemistry. And, you know, that was within a hair's breadth of happening mm-hmm. if I had not pulled out of the lecture job. I mean, everyone thought I was mad pulling out of a 10 year lecture post right. uh, yes, in yes. Sheffield. Yes. Uh, in retrospect, the best move I ever made. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, for, for me it was, um, well, it both was the right start and determined what I did later. Um, I think for um, people in general, I still like the idea of having a year of, a minimum of a year where you actually think um, and having watched the undergraduates at King's College. Um, I mean, they just don't think. Right. I mean, the things okay. are po- they expect more and more to be poured into them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Let's go back to the Krebs unit. Yes. Now there was Krebs, and of course Derek Williamson. Yes. And your old chum Mellonby, which she was still there. Yes. Um, tell me about that setup and how it sort of worked. You were on a different floor, strictly. We were in a hut. Right. Okay. In the old huts. Right. Uh, and in the hut was this group of people. There were various other people in the main building, but we were in one of the Nissen huts, right. um, and uh, which was hot and as hell in the summer and rather chilly in the winter. Yes. And it was just a very good sort of um, conglomeration of people. Didn't I mean, see much of people in the rest of the department. You weren't in any formal sense working for Krebs. You no. were working for yourself, Ex- as I remember. Yeah, except. Uh, he would, I mean, he came in every morning at half past eight, um, and his first comment was, there is Richard. Richard was Richard Hassel, who was um, one of his two D-filled students, and Richard right. never came in until nine, so <laughs> I would always be there, because I'd like to kill my rats early, and not here yet. Uh, and then he would come back at 4.30 and say to Richard, what are your results? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I was always around, so he knew. Um, uh, and I was quite often uh, behaving in a slightly frivolous fashion, and he tended to walk in at peak moments. Um, but he put up with all that. But you well. would talk to him quite a bit oh, about yeah. your work, yes, I thought so. A little bit. Right, right. Okay. He would just say, how are you getting on, etc. Separate. And Derek Williamson. Derek I talked to about. Yes. And I mean, uh, it was Derek and Jane I learned the uh, metabolite assays from, which stood us in good steps for another 30 Absolutely. years. Um, 
And I mean, Probst I spoke to much, much more once he had got me back to the Radcliffe. As oh, a, right, I'm getting this wrong. So you started where? The Department of Biochemistry yeah. at South Park's Radio? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. That George. was in my Nissen hut, doing my right. deep film. Oh, no, I, I realised that. When yeah. you came back from America? When I came back from America, I, went, I was on the second floor yeah. of the... Um, you NBA, were, and he was on the and first. he was on yes. the first. And, I mean, he then did to me what he'd been doing <laughs> before, because, you know... Day three, what results have you today? And this is, you know, the bed. But you line. weren't working for him. No. <laughs> no, that's right, that's what I thought. <laughs> and after about a month, I said, I, you know, if you could just hang on to science, <laughs> I still haven't got a lab, <laughs> you know, et cetera, et cetera. But he always took me, I always went down for coffee with them. Um, and I did a lot of my essays, actually, worked with two or three people who, who were with him, Neil Ruderman and. Um, and a chap called Hawkins from Australia. Um, and I did, I wrote a review with Frank Woods, who was working with Krebs at the time, and Krebs. And that was a very interesting experience. Was uh, that line on? By line on lactic yeah, acid. Yeah, I thought it might have been. Yeah, no, very interesting, yeah. I think. Yeah. And Derek Williamson, I mean, everybody says he was a great help to everybody. He was, he yes. was just there, and you could talk things out. It was generally a fairly frivolous conversation, knowing. Yeah. Derek, but there was a lot, a lot in there, um, and uh, he was just basically helpful. I mean, he kept everything running on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, I said recently to Sandy that I thought yes. one of the best things you'd ever done was to train her and Hanka. You see, yeah. it's really good people. Yeah. And she said, no, it wasn't you, it was Vera. <laughs> Vera, Vera did a lot of that. <laughs> no, they were a marvellous yeah. bunch, really. Yes, I mean, those two were, were great. One did the insulin assays, one did the metabolites, and, um, um, and looked after the detail students who then came through my lab, one yeah. or two of whom were interesting. Then what in led you to leave Oxford? There was a good offer, or you applied no, or something? No, it was, uh, I mean, uh, Beeson thought he'd done a deal with the Welcome that, um, uh, or the Welcome thought they'd done a deal with Beeson that Oxford University would take us, McClendon and me, over on a permanent basis. Mm -hmm. That was the basis on which they gave the initial money, mm -hmm. <coughs> which was for six years. And um, uh, Beeson... Uh, ran into trouble with the university and they w wouldn't play ball. Do you know why or how? Or? It happened all over the country. Right, no, I understand. You know, yes. senior fellows. Just so nothing personal, it was no, a, a just, no, yeah. No. yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I had money for six years, but in the fourth year, I thought perhaps I ought to start, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. vaguely looking for a job. And, um, I mean, Vincent Marks and Nick Hales were two chums from the BDA, and I remember walking on the beach in Brighton saying, you know, what the hell am I going to do next? And they said, do chemical pathology, um, uh, which both of them were doing. Um, you don't need any qualifications, <laughs> and um, you can have a fun time. So I thought, what the hell? Uh, and uh, so I rapidly submitted published works to get the MRC path, which you could at the time. I got a session a week with Bill in bike, mm -hmm. really working with Bill in, in clinical biochemistry, um, and uh, O'Brien as a honorary senior registrar. 
uh, I already was an honorary registrar in medicine, and then Ralph Wright got in touch with me when the Southampton job came up and uh, said, why didn't I apply? And this was um, uh, my wife at the time, Joanna, said it's the last thing you should do, um, um, for reasons I'm not quite sure about. And so I did. And um, three people were interviewed. It was a funny job because they did not want whoever it was to run the routine laboratory because there was an ornery Middleton, an ornery chemical pathologist there who didn't want interference. And that suited me, of course, because that turned it into a pure research case. And one person during the interview walked out um, (laughs) because he he wanted to be in charge of everything. Um, And I was offered the job. What was the influence really on clinical biochemistry of the multiple analyzer, you know, that would suddenly do 10 measurements in a yeah. flash? Did that affect the whole subject? Oh, yes. It must have, it seemed oh, yes. to me, just yes. to them all. Around that time or yeah. before? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I remember going off seeing the regional scientific officer saying, you know, we need one of these really big new analyzers. They've been smaller ones. Yes. Um, and one of the best things that happened to me was I took on board as a senior chief technician in clinical in my research lab someone who'd been in a routine lab and she set up all the metabolites on an auto analyzer right, right, so right. no more polishing cubits yes, etc. Yes. And Bill is Bill Penfold. Yes. Is that right? Yes. 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 Um, and did you work purely on diabetes would you say in Southampton or? Um, no, quite a lot on liver disease mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I started doing that with Ralph. In fact, a lot on liver yes, disease yes. and um, a lot on you know endocrine control of metabolism. Yes, uh, and, and diabetes started with Ralph in Oxford. Yes, yes, right. Yes. Yeah, I understand. We were doing IVGTTs on liver disease patients and seeing also and looking at lactates and pyruvates and so forth. And it was interesting. Now, since you've left Oxford, obviously you've had the chance from time to time. Think about the Oxford Medical School. How do you think it's progressed or developed or has um, been I mistaken? Th- no, I, I, think it, I think it's done well-ish. Um, I think that, um, I mean, there's been a phenomenal development and focus on the postgraduate side and on the research end of things. Uh, I'm not sure how well the undergraduates have done out of that. And I think for a long time, Oxford remained rooted in its origins um, and didn't change. Um, They've had one or two, I think, pretty good people leading the undergraduate medical school in the last few years, and I think it probably is better again. Um, but I do have the thesis, if you're in a good place, it doesn't matter what the curriculum is. Um, if you've got the brightest people in the country, you can't actually screw it up too much. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. um, um, so uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because it is um, uh, so, you know, so focused on the genetics and this and that and the other. Um, but the, I mean, I've, I've continued to have dealings at Bayville, and they've had some very, very good tutors for the undergraduates. So I don't think the undergraduates will go far wrong there. No. 
on the clinical side, I've had no experience of the clinical teaching at all. And what <coughs> should I have asked you that I haven't? What else do you want to say? When um, just trying to think. I did think about this. A lot has come back, but I didn't know it was still there. Um, I, th I think, I mean, one of, the, one of the most fortunate things which helped me enormously was ending up doing a lot of tutorial teaching. Right, yes. Um, because... This would be preclinical. These are preclinical. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you ever came across James Morris, who was medical director at the Radcliffe for a long mm. time. I know who you mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he... Neuropathologist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he and, I mean, I used to do the teaching in the flat we had above a garage in the back of a chemist in Walton Street, <laughs> a little two-room flat, and uh, they used to come there. And um, it was just enormous fun and great stimulation. It really kept you... He was thinking. a student, one of he your was, students. He yes. was one of my... Yeah, at the same, yeah. yeah. And uh, two of them got first that year. I'm Good. very Good. proud of both Who of was them. the other? I can't no, remember no, his name. I mean, James was very dogged and really yes. worked away. Yes. Um, uh, but was uh, they were just interesting. And Charles Fox was one of my. Yes. Uh, lovely, lovely yes. land. Yes. Um, so, so I think that was um, you know a fairly defining man. A lot of this was accidental, Derek. You know, things happened. Yes. Yes. And I think you know, any message for anyone would be, um, you know, don't forget to look sideways. Um, and uh, I've never, I've been criticised all my life for being on a uh, unfocused path, yeah, being too broad. I mean, I can remember the, the BDA visits to look at my group in Newcastle, every, uh, the two or three times they came. Uh, oh yeah, he's he's. Pretty good, but much too involved in too diverse a range of things, which yeah, that happens to be the way. You, know. yeah. you don't win Nobel yes. Prizes that way, but no. boy, boy, do you have a lot of fun. <laughs> Pickering was great at that. Yes. Having a, a breadth of people. Yes. I think, shall I finish? Then? Yes, sure. Thank you very much, George. That was super.